So when I tell you it's hard, because one of the things that gets on my nerves so much is the way that preachers portray God when it comes to the subject of money. Especially when it comes for me having to pay for something my beautiful Savior has already given me freely. Right? Right? And so I've always been very cautious about that subject because I'd rather go hungry than somebody give me something that didn't want to give it to me. So everything that I have ever received in life, I owe to no one anything from you, lest you say you made me rich, right? No, it's, it's all come from him, Every, everything. Every promotion that I've ever gotten in life was because my heavenly father opened up that door, right? And so, look, I wasn't smart enough. But let me tell you what he can do. He can change your mind. He can heal your mind. Ask me how I know. He touched me. He really did. He, he, he touched me. And so when it comes to the subject of money, where would we be in life if somebody would have really taught us correctly? See, if we'd have known at 18 years old that we could save a little bit, and have these two beautiful words applied to our life. Compound interest. They were too busy telling me not to smoke dope and run around with wild women. Which was probably okay. You know, somebody had to clarify what we could do, right? But nobody told us about money. And so, if you're here for the first time, don't, don't be alarmed that we speak about money because this is not us as a church trying to take from you. It's in, it's in my blood to bless somebody. See, I was, the, I was the man that was there when the church knocked on my door because they, they knew that I was struggling and all these strange people came in and brought Christmas presents and food and they had heard about my struggles and, 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 and I saw them. And so and when the Lord gave me a platform, when he put me in a position to where I, I, I could do something, then for me, man, I took every dime them rich people would give me and I gave it away. Amen. I'll do the same. But let me tell you something. It doesn't have to come from just rich people, right? Because when we all do our part and we understand who we're giving to, then it's all equal giving, right? And so this next gentleman, I, I have known for approximately close to 30 years. And he's one of the most uh, loyal, righteous men, loving, godly, and one of the best Persons you could ever hope to sit down with and talk about the subject of money. This man is a beautiful, 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 godly man. And I am the most blessed in my life to have had, especially, and I have more. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, Pastor Randy Godwin and Elder Lee Carpenter, uh, uh, they brought it. They really did. And I hope that you felt as comfortable as I know that you're going to feel today because this dude's a live wire. Come here, my friend. <laughs> Would you stand to your feet and give my friend? This is Randy Morris. And... uh what you see is the reality of who he really is. And I want you to know I love you. And you have been my friend for a long time. And I'm a better man for it. God bless you, my friend. You may be seated. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all my story. Because... Um, God is a good God, and he's faithful to uphold his word. I hope brings him glory. 
Because if it was not for him, we wouldn't be here today. Okay? So before I get too far ahead, I'm gonna go, we're going to pray first. And, um, but before we do, I just want to say again, I've told both of these gentlemen myself, but I so much enjoyed the message the last two weeks because I count it an honor to serve with these men. And uh, the reason that we're here is to bring honor to our pastor and to give glory to God. Let us pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for each and every person that's here. Holy Spirit, my prayer is for you to help me communicate that that I know that you have placed in my heart to share with your people. And Lord, I pray that it's received with the heart of love and may each and every one of us leave this place today changed because it is the word of God that changes us. And I thank you for that today. Amen. So I want to tell you my story. And the first thing I want to do is that I want to thank, thank my mother for a Christian heritage. Because, <clears throat> because me and my brother and my sister are all serving the Lord today because of my mother. And, um, you know, the things that I'm going to share with you, most of them are pleasant. Some of them are not pleasant, but it's all truth, and it's all for a reason. You see, uh, growing up, w- when I was young, we were poor. My mother did all that she could to make sure there was food on the table, but she didn't always have a lot of help. Now, my father's not with us today, and I don't want any of y'all to think that I'm speaking bad of my father, but I'm just trying to share truth with you that's going to bring us somewhere because I really believe that my father is with Jesus today. But for the better part of his life, He was as far from Jesus as anybody you can ever know. So growing up, there was many a nights. Now, I don't know if my sister was old enough to remember this, but me and my brother spent many a nights underneath a church pew, asleep, waiting for the church service to be over. Because we grew up in a Pentecostal wholeness church. That's, That's my heritage, you know. And um, I'm thankful for that today because God put some stuff in me long before I realized what it was he was doing. Now, today he's helping me remember some of that stuff, and it's for my good. But back then, I, I didn't know what was going on. It's like when I talk to young people about retirement. I can remember what it was like as a teenager When you're a teenager, your first thought when somebody wants to talk to you about retirement is, I ain't got time for that. I'll have plenty of time to think about that later. That's just in our nature to do that. So before you know it, the later becomes much later. And your thoughts are then, man, I sure wish I'd have started preparing for this a long time ago. So I... I don't want to get sidetracked, but one of the words and the message that I want to stress today is that, see, when it comes to finances, God is not as much concerned about your money as he is your heart. He don't care anything about your money. Now, we are given biblicianship with the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's got to be number one. Otherwise, you're just going through a ritual, and as we're going to find out later, see, not only am I going to tell you my story today, but I'm going to share some scripture with you in the end that's going to relate to you just how important your giving is. Not to the church, but to the kingdom. Amen? So anyway, when I was growing up, I have to tell you this, some of these things I've had to ask the Lord to help me remember because they were so long ago, the details are kind of fuzzy. But I know my mother's going to remember this. When I was in middle school, I was a wreck. Emotionally, (laughs) 
I was a wreck. I don't know what happened to cause all that, but the do, one thing I do remember is that this school's not open now, but how many of you remember when Lamb School out close to 95 was open? Well, anyway, I went to school there, and I remember to this day that, and I don't even know if my kids know this, but I remember to this day I didn't spend time in the class with everybody else. I was in the library because I couldn't stay in class. I wasn't rowdy. It's just I couldn't stop crying. I was a mess. I had this fear that my mom wasn't going to come back and pick me up. I, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this, but you know what? When you're in that shape, and you can't do anything but cry. And my wife is probably saying, wow, look what happened to him now. He will never cry now. But, but, but anyway, that, that's the place that I was in. I was a mess. I don't know how I made it through school because I remember being dropped off. And I remember spending time in the library with the librarian because I wasn't able to stay in class. But as I look back on it now, God, God has had his hand upon my life because, see, when, when you're raised and you don't have anything, you realize real quick that if you're ever going to have anything in life, you're going to have to work because ain't nobody going to give it to you. I realized that real quick. So anyway, to get back to my story about my dad, my dad didn't have the ability to hold down a job. My dad didn't have the ability to tell the truth. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying because God's getting the glory for all of this. But me, growing up, it caused me to become a certain way. So when I was growing up, I realized real quick that if I didn't work for it, I wasn't going to get it. Mama wasn't going to be able to give me a car when I got my license and all that stuff. So about 13 years old, I started enjoying taking stuff apart and putting stuff back together. So I figured, you know what, if I'm going to get a car, I'm going to have to buy it myself. So I started working with this guy that surveyed land. So I learned real early in life how to swing a bush axe. Because a lot of times what my job would be after school and on Saturdays is I'd be cutting out a property line. No matter what was in your way, you had to move it. A tree stump, briars. I remember cutting a property line out one time in the hot summertime and it was hot. And I didn't know it, but I swung through some briars and this stuff started flying around my head and come to find out I had cut into where some bats lived. I'm like, okay. Anyway, so I learned real early the importance of work, but at the same time, this same man that I was working for, I began to hear things like, You'll never amount to nothing. You're going to end up being just like your dad. And I kept hearing that and hearing that. And when you're in a place that you're about 15 years old and you hear stuff like that, there's a couple things you can do. One, you can start to believe it. Or two, you can make up your mind that no matter what, that that's the last thing you're going to become. And that was my response. So I didn't say it or express it in my words, but in my mind I'm thinking, okay, I'll show you. So I took it upon myself to work as much as I could. Every chance I got, I worked. After school till dark, on Saturday till dark, I did have to go to church on Sunday. I didn't have no choice in that. Now as I got older, and was able to make my own decisions, there was a time in my life that I turned away from the Lord because I felt like, you know what? I'm old enough now. I make my own decisions. My mama don't tell me what to do no more. I do what I want to do. But she never stopped praying. So it won't long. The Lord started dealing with me like he has dealt with a lot of us in this room. You can't get away from that. So I come back to God, but, but God is good. Because, see, I, I, I'm not presently in business for myself, but there was a time that I was. When I got out of high school, 
I really enjoyed fixing cars. It's always been something that I've enjoyed doing. The first car I ever owned, I bought when I was 15 years old. It was parked in the woods. I remember it just like it was yesterday. We did a, a land surveying job for this guy, and this car was in his backyard. And the only thing that you could see was the back of the car. That was my first car. It was a 1968 Plymouth Barracuda. I thought that thing was sharp. I couldn't see what color it was because there was leaves and limbs and all kinds of stuff. But I, I stopped. When we got through doing that job, I asked the guy, I said, do you want to sell that car? He said, man, I've had that car for 25 years. It don't run. He said, I didn't ask you if it ran. Do you want to sell it? I paid $200 for that car. And I got the guy that I worked for to drag it home for me. And for a couple of years, it, when, on the afternoons that I won't work, and I would start tinkering on that car. When I got my driver's license, I had me a car, and I was proud of that car. I mean, I took the motor out, and I souped it up, and it won't stop. Let's just say that. I got in trouble a lot for racing and stuff like that, but I enjoyed my car. So anyway, when I got out of high school, I, got my, I went to the tech, and I took auto mechanics for two years. And before I graduated, I got my first public job. My first public job was at the Honda car dealership in Wilson on 301, Six months after they opened, they had just built it. It was a brand-new facility, and that's where I started working. And I enjoyed my job. And after about three years, when I first started working there, my responsibilities were to take and service all the cars that were taken in on trade. But what I really wanted to do is I saw those guys across the aisle from me working on the new cars. So I kept asking, what, what have I got to do to get over on that side of the shop? So after pestering the service manager for about a year, he gave me an opportunity to work on the new cars. And oh my goodness, I fell in love with that. Because the thing about working at a dealership back then in the 80s is that a lot of the new cars on the lot didn't come with certain accessories. It didn't come with radio and speakers. It didn't come with an antenna. A lot of them didn't come with an air condition. Can you believe that? car with no air conditioning? Anyway, so what we would do is we would take and install all those options at the dealership. But what became so good about all that is that, and to the place to where I could do an eight-hour air conditioning job in an hour and 45 minutes. So when you get a lot of them lined up, kind of makes you want to go in on Saturday and say, can I just work on new cars today? So I would go into the shop and just, li I'd line everything up on Friday. I'd fill the shop up. I'd get all my parts. I'd come in on Saturday. I'd just work all day, and it won't long after that. There were some weeks that I'd have over 100 hours in a 40-hour week. Now, that's the way you make money. And that was good. But what I began not to like is that I developed a lot of working relationship with customers that would ask for me to work on their car. And I would get to talking to them when I would see them out somewhere else and find out real quick that, I didn't really appreciate how they were treated as customers. See, because back then, I was in charge of repairing your car, but I didn't get a chance to talk to you. And after a while, I didn't like that, and I, was, I had come back to the Lord. And anyway, to make a long story short, I began to say, well, God, there's got to be a better way. So it wasn't long after that I had an opportunity to open my own business. And I brought a lot of the people that I was servicing in their cars. They just followed me when I left. And so God was really, really good to me. I continued to work on cars. Um, I had a rollback, so I t I'd tow your car if you were in a wreck. I'd go pick it up. If it broke down, I'd take it back to you when I was done. I had a car lot. I bought and sold cars. And God, it was just, it was just great. But I'll have to tell you, after... 10 or 12 years of working 15 hours a day for six days a week. Basically, my kids grew up, and I never saw them. They were asleep when I left, and they were asleep when I come home. Because back in the day before I started my own business, I had a shop at home. So I'd not only work during the day, I'd work at night too. And after a while, I was just consumed with work. I was consumed with making money. Well, the Lord has a way of dealing with you about stuff. And um, Sheila and I got married in this church. We got married in December of 07. Wasn't long after that, 
I was at my place of business, and I got a, a visit from somebody that I had never seen since high school. And um, he come in, he said, I'd really like to talk with you, but I can see that you don't have time for me right now. But here's my card. Come see me when you can. So um, this happens to be, be where the owner of the company that I work for now, because there was a time in my life I was so busy with everything that was going on. God was blessing. I just, I never had a day that I didn't have a lot to do. I never experienced a day where I had nothing. There was always more than I could complete. So I, I took the time because I, I felt something stirring on my insides, and I knew God was doing something, but I just didn't know what. So anyway, I went to see this man, and after about two hours of talking to him, um, I decided that after talking to my wife and praying about it that I was going to get out of the business I was in so in less than two months after visiting with him by the way that conversation I had with him he made me an offer that I, I just could not refuse he says I have been looking somebody and I have been told that you're the one I need to come talk to and by the way my brother has a, a Fort Lift repair business and he just happened to be working at this place at the time it still is and he had the owner had asked him, do you know somebody? I need somebody that can do this and this and this. Well, I, I know somebody, but good luck getting him. So that's how, that's how all that came about. So um, <laughs> I was at a place at one time in my life that if you had told me that I would ever work for somebody else again, <laughs> I'd have laughed at you because I really enjoyed what I was doing, but it was beginning to take its toll. And um, there were some things that I was really felt God calling me to, but I didn't have time to do it. And he knew it. But I'm like, God, if, if you want me to do that, you're going to have to help me because I don't see no way. How many of you know he can make a way <laughs> when there seems to be no way? So anyway, it was amazing that I didn't even have to advertise my place for sale. I just put the word out to a couple people and I got a phone call. And uh, within a couple of months, I had sold all of my cars, the shop, my rollback. I didn't sell my tools because I wasn't going to get rid of them. But, but everything I had, I sold it. So that transition was a whole lot easier than what I thought. So when I started working at this place, my primary responsibility was uh, they had had some problems finding uh, people that could fix the stuff that was breaking down. So um, I started fixing the stuff, and I was enjoying what I was doing, but I wasn't there very long, and I got called into the office. And, you know, when you I'm used to that, you know. So anyway, he says, um, I appreciate what you've been doing, but I, I got something I need you to take care of. Will you consider managing the whole, the whole thing? So um, I, I was given an opportunity to where now I do, I do very little mechanic work now <laughs> because I have so many other people that I have to manage. And I, I didn't know um, that that was going to happen, but it kind of brought me to a place to where not long after I started this job, I started listening to a radio show. Um, and the radio show, the host of this radio show, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this guy, but this it's guy's name is Dave Ramsey. And I, start, I started listening to that radio show, and I listen every day. I just listen. I started reading his books and we talked about, you know what, I, th I think we can do this. So right now I'm hearing when the radio show would come on, it would go something like, welcome to the Dave Ramsey show where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol in America. He still plays that to this day. So I started listening, started reading the books, and um, we started teaching the class. See, debt, debt's not good. I, I, I just tended us to be in debt to any man. Now, I know it's very convenient. I know it's very easy to do. A credit card is so easy to get. But the thing about that is it's easy to make a purchase on a credit card, but there's a payday. It's a whole lot harder to pay that thing off. But anyway, so we started... As a matter of fact, in about 2010, I might be wrong on the year model, 
on the year model, the year. We got to following this plan and applying the principles, and I think a budget is one of the greatest things that you and I can do to get our finances in order. <clears throat> Still to this day, and my wife is very good at this, but we will pull up, and Dave, if you go to Dave Ramsey's website, there's an app that you can download called Every Dollar. It is a budget app. You pull it up on your computer, and it has line items for all your income. It has line items for all your outgoing, which is your debt. And see, here, here's a very important principle I'd like for y'all to remember. I think it's very important that we make our money behave. Did you hear me? Because, see, if you don't give every dollar you earn, it happens to all of us. But, see, if that dollar has an assignment, and that's what that budget is for, you give that dollar work to do, and you make sure it carries out its purpose. And I promise you, I'm standing here telling you this, not because I heard somebody else say it, but because it's been real in our lives. There was times in the beginning to where we committed ourselves to giving to God. I would try to figure it on paper, and in my mind I'm thinking, there's no way this is going to work. Because as one of the fellas said, there was, there was a whole lot more month than there was money. But I also remember what the scripture says. Like Pastor Robert Morris talked about last week in, our, in the lesson that we were listening to on the blessed life. Is that we're given an opportunity every time we get paid to take a test. You take a test every time you get paid. The test is, what are you going to do with your money? Because, see, we talk about the tithe and it belonging to God and all. Actually, it all belongs to God. But the tithe is not just 10%. The tithe is the first 10%. It's the first fruits. See, a lot of people will look at it and say, well, if I divide it all out, as long as I pay it, if it's down at number eight or number nine, it still counts, right? No, because you're not putting trust in God if you wait to see if you've got enough left over to give him what's rightfully his. It takes faith to say, you know what? Oh, and Pastor Drew, I thank you so much for the text to give app or whatever you call that that's on our phone because I think that's great. We use it every week. When we get paid, that is the first thing that we do is we type in text to give. I think it's a great, if you're not using it, it's wonderful. The thing I like about it is when you type in the amount and hit send, we've, we've actually done it. You can count one Two, when you get to number three, you get a response that is posted. It's just that quick. It's wonderful. You ought to try it. It's great. Anyway, so, um, so we made up our mind that no matter what, God was going to get his first. It's not about the giving. It's about the heart. So anyway, it was around 2010. We had been following the program. And we got to the place to where, you know what, I think, his place is in Nashville, Tennessee, so Sheila and I made a trip to Nashville, Tennessee so that we could be on his radio show. Because back then, they may still do it now, but I don't know, they give people an opportunity to get on the radio and screen and do their debt-free screen. We were proud of that, so you know what? I'm driving to Tennessee. <laughs> so we went, we met Dave Ramsey, got on his radio show, did that whole thing and stuff, and... Um, God, God is just, just so good. Just to hear my heart. God is faithful to honor his word. If you and I will seek him first, put him first in our lives, you will be totally amazed at what God will do for you. It's his joy to do that. He don't do it out of a sense of obligation. He does it because the Bible said it is his joy. It is his pleasure to bless his people. He promised that in his word. So anyway, as a, as a way of giving honor to God, what I thought at one time in my life may not be the right decision, leaving the self-employment world and to go, into bit, go to work for somebody else, it was one of the best things for me that, that had ever happened. Because... Immediately, my stress level was cut in half 
Because when I was running my own business, not only was I responsible for fixing all the vehicles, talking to the people and pricing it out, but then when all of it was said and done and got home, I did my own books too. So it never ended. I'd go to sleep thinking about what I had to work on the next day, and I'd wake up in a hurry to see how fast I could get there to get started. And so after a while, it created a pattern where I, I was always gone. I was working all the time. And there's nothing wrong with work, but I knew, I knew that God was calling me to something else. And I said, well, God, you're going to have to help me because this is, is going to be very difficult. So anyway, to make a long story short, I, I stepped out by faith. I said, okay, God, I'm going to believe you that this is the right thing. And I, I've never looked back. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done. God has given me a tremendous amount of favor where I work. Because the place that I work is a, is a big farming operation. It's a, it's a family-owned business located in Nash County. And um, this business has become the, I think I'm saying this right, I thought I read the world's, but if not the world's, at least our nation. It's the United States' largest sweet potato producer in the country. And we are growing every year. 1200 acre farm we're in five counties right now and God has been so good to me because not only has he given me favor where I work but he's given me a six-figure income where I work God did that he's given me an opportunity to do things that I never thought out see you remember I told you I used to have a car lot I used to love to buy and sell cars well get guess guess what we've got where I work <laughs> We have a dealership. You think on a farm? I'm like, yeah, when you got as many company vehicles as we've got, somebody's got to buy them. So I, I told the man that I worked for, I said, you know what? We could save a whole lot of money on vehicles if, if we'd open a dealership. He's like, I don't want to mess with that. I'm like, I didn't say to sell cars to the public. We can just do it for the company. He says, well, okay. Well, how much will it cost? So I told him, he said, well, let's do it. So since then, I, I get the pleasure of when we need a vehicle, he was just telling me, we need to replace that vehicle. I'm like, okay, when do you want to do it? Well, go ahead and look something. So I'll go on the Internet, and I'll find the vehicle, and I can purchase it right from my computer. I bought vehicles in Pennsylvania and Florida and South Carolina and all over the United States, well, all over the eastern part of the my own. So it's, work, it's worked out really, really well. God is just so awesome because um, I can see where I was when I started, and I can see God's hand upon my life that's brought me where I am now, not only in the place that I work, but in, in everything that I do. God's just faithful. And um, so I'm running out of time really fast. So what, what I want to do... I want to share some scripture with you, but the reason I want to share this scripture is that I think it's so important that we give, but I want to share with you on why it's important to give, okay? Because I don't know how many of you have ever thought about it, but we all have one thing in common. There will come a day when we will all Stand before the judge. That judge is Jesus Christ. I, you're not going to be able to not participate in that. It's meant for everybody. And here's what Jesus said. I'd like um, to read Revelations 2, 23. And the, the translation that I'm reading has got two or three scriptures kind of grouped together. But what I want to zero in is on the 23rd chapter of Revelation 2. It says, I am he who searches minds, the thoughts, feelings, and purposes, and the inmost hearts. And I, this is Jesus talking, I will give to each of you the reward for what you have done, whatever you deserve. There's going to come a day that we're all going to stand before the Lord at the judgment. And here's what's going to happen. 
we all know that we're not saved by works, but I want you to know how important your works are because the works that we do is going to be what we're going to be judged by. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, when you give as unto the Lord, it's put in your account. What I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is not an IRA. I want to talk to you about an ERA. You all have an ERA whether you know it or not. You want to know what an ERA is? It's an eternity retirement account. You all have one. When we stand before the Lord, it is going to be the things that we done in this life that benefited the kingdom of God. Those are the only things that's going to matter. All those other things that we did that was not for the kingdom ain't going to amount to anything. And this is important no matter what your age because unlike the retirement we talked about before to whereas if you're 15 years old and you've got an idea in your mind that you're not going to retire until you turn 65, you feel like you've got a lot of time, let me tell you something. There's not a person in here that's promised tomorrow. You don't know. We're not promised that. Now, we all hope to live a long life. But that doesn't mean it's going to end that way. So if that's the case, don't you think it's kind of important to start focusing on the things that Jesus says is going to be important to him? Because here's, here's how it works. When you give to the local church and it goes to support the ministries that we have, then God says that he's going to record that. See, the Lamb's Book of Life is not the only book in heaven. There is a book that's recording everything that you do. But here's the difference between the things that you do in our sense of understanding that. The Bible says that man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. What that means is God doesn't just look at what you do. He looks at why you do what you do. Our thoughts are going to be judged. The intent behind your actions is going to be judged. So, if I'm understanding and reading the Word of God to be what I believe it to be, and that is true, I think it behooves us all to number. The only way your motives are going to be right is that, that if God's got your heart. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. He's not concerned about your giving. He's concerned about your heart. If your heart's right, your motives are right. Your actions will be right. Your words will be right. Your walk will be right. Because I'm telling you, I wish I had time to go in detail. Maybe we can do that another time. But see, one of the biggest mistakes we make as Christians is that we think that we're human beings having a spiritual experience. Because that's what seems natural with the mind and these physical bodies. But the truth of the matter is, you're a spiritual being having a human experience. The Word of God is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being for spiritual beings. And oh, by the way, we as Christians, it's kind of important at some point in time, you got to read the book. You need to read your Bible. It's like the pastor has said, we don't need to come to church to be preached to what it should be is that when we get to church, everything that we hear him say is a confirmation of what we already know. That don't happen if you don't spend time with God. Because he's the one that's not only going to help you be able to do all these things, he wants you to be able to understand why it is you're doing what you're doing. He don't want you to be lost. He wants you to understand that there's a purpose and a reason for everything that you do in this life. God has called you to himself, but once he gets you to himself, he expects you and I to carry out, to carry out certain things that helps build the kingdom of God. Um, can you pull up Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37? move on to the last part of that scripture where it says let me tell you something every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you 
There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. The words that you and I speak have the ability to cause us to receive rewards or they have the ability to cause us, what's that last word? The last word on the screen, damnation. Your words are so important. Sometimes we say stuff without even thinking about it. Let, let me help you with something. Don't ever think like that again because your words are more important than you know. And if it'll help you, just kind of understand that every word that you say, every action that you take, it's being recorded. Now, that's heavy. But at the same time, I want to give you some hope. It's not too late to change. See, that's the, that's, the, that's the sweet thing about this is that we have one opportunity to determine not only where you and I spend eternity, but how. Jesus said he will hand out rewards in the next life according to what you and I have done in this life. Rewards. Think about that for a minute. Heaven is going to be different than what a lot of us think. We're not going to be a bunch of spirits floating around. It's not going to be that way. I don't have time to get into it, but there's going to be work to do in heaven as well. And our position and our task that we are given in heaven is going to be determined solely on what we did with the word of God. So it is important. Your relationship to God is a lot more important than what you and I realize. So I want to get back, to, because we're running out of time, I want to get back to how we can begin to store up in heaven good rewards. Not only is it important to serve God with your time, talent, and treasure, but I want to take it a little bit further while i got a few minutes and tell you about how important it is to support the vision of our pastor. Because let me tell you the way that works. When God lays upon his heart a vision, it takes people doing and taking action to fulfill that vision. That's the way God made it. That's the way he intended it. So think about this. Every time you serve in the food truck, every time you purchase a meal at Emory's place, every time the pastor tells us about something that God has placed in his heart, it takes the people that are in this church to pull that off. But let me tell you the way it works. When God puts it in his heart and his people participate to fulfill that, He's not the only one that gets rewarded. It's called partnership. Partnership is very important, and it's very easy because God gives him the vision, but it takes you and I giving of our time, of our treasure, of ourself to pull that off. But when it's all said and done, God gets the glory, but we get the same reward he does because we partnered with him. So important. Please don't forget that. It does matter what you do. It does matter what you say. It does matter with what attitude you have when you do those things. Because, see, you might be able to hide your attitude from us and pull it off by saying certain things that makes you look good to everybody. He's recording it. Now, I didn't tell you all that to try to scare you into giving. I told you all that because it's true. See, sometimes the Word of God reveals to us stuff to us that may not be pleasant, but we need it. Because when we realize how important it is, if we allow God, He'll change us through that. God does that. All we have to do is submit to Him. It's, up to, it's His responsibility to make it happen. But he's not going to make it happen if we don't commit ourselves to him. Does that make sense? It's so, so important. So important. Okay. I know. I will. So I hope that when you leave here today, every, everything that I have told you 
was not an effort or to bring glory to myself because I stand before you today knowing that if it were not for the goodness of God, I would not be here. I counted a privilege and an honor. Me and, me and my wife's heart is right here with you, Pastor, and these people. And if there's anything that we can do to help further the kingdom of God along, then sign me up. Because in the end, the work that we do here to affect lost and dying people, that's what brings God's glory. That's what brings him glory. And what he wants you and I to know is not only does it bring him glory, but he's saying, there's a reward coming. Don't think that I don't remember because he remembers everything. And I'm so glad he remembers a lot more than I do. Because there's a lot of things I want to remember that I just forget. But, I w <laughs> but he said it in his word. If we'll commit ourselves to him, live a life that is pleasing to him, God will bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. I want to reiterate one thing before I close. Back, back when we were doing our finances to where there was a whole lot more month than there was money, we kind of made up our mind that no matter what, God was always going to get his first. And I, I tell you on the authority of God that I have seen in my life from where I was being that crying snotty-nosed boy in the library that didn't think his mama. He don't want any of this stuff to come out as being gloom and doom or negative. It's just that sometimes we need to hear truth to prompt us to change. Because God loves you so much, he don't want to leave you where you're at. He's got a place in mind just for you that he wants you to be. And it is his heart's desire to get you to that place. He has the power. He has the ability. The question is, does he have your heart? Because without your heart, all the good intentions and the good plans that God has got for you will not be fulfilled. Because he loved us so much, he gave us something that we take for granted sometime, and that's the power of choice. You get to decide. I get to decide. And we have to make a decision every day of our life whether we're going to serve God or not. But the time for play in church has passed because we're not promised tomorrow. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to be about my father's business regardless of what other people think. I've got to the place in my life to where I love each and every person to do something. I'm going to go ahead and put you on notice. I'm going to do it. And hope that it's okay with everybody, but it don't matter. As long as I'm not an embarrassment to this man right here sitting on the front row. I hope you all hear what I'm saying. Get to the place to where... You're not afraid of what other people think of you when it comes to obeying God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Obeying God should be more important than anything else. But the truth of the matter is, we all have an enemy. And if the enemy's influence has his way in your life, there's certain things that God's been trying to get you to do. You're not convinced yet that you should do it. Because, see, what happens in reality is sometimes if we think about something long enough in our minds, we'll convince ourselves that that wasn't even God. Anybody here? That's the way life works. But the bottom line is we have a choice to make every day of our life. And if we get to the, and see, here's the thing. God has the ability and the power. This is God's grace at work. God's grace just didn't save you and I, but the Bible says that God's grace is his power, his enablement. In other words, God's grace will enable you and I to do everything God's called us to do. So he gives you the call. He gives you the power and the ability. All you and I have to do is say yes. And God will take care of the rest. But it's not a one-time yes. Just in case you're wondering, 
That yes is a daily yes. We have to daily decide that we're going to follow the Lord. But when we do, God has great things in store for all of us. But our walk is an individual walk, but the purpose is a corporate benefit. It's for the kingdom of God, but what God might speak to me, he may speak to you something totally different. And the only way you're going to recognize the voice is that we have to spend time with him. He longs for us to spend time with him, not Facebook and this and whatever else you got going on in your life. I wonder sometimes if we spend as much time with God as we did on Facebook, our relationship with him might be a whole lot better. Just saying. Don't be throwing rocks at me now. It might not be Facebook. It might be some other stuff you got going on, township, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, ju I'm just saying, we decide. We decide how we spend our time. God don't decide that. He calls to us, but we have to make an individual decision every day. How much time do we want to spend with the Lord? It makes all the difference in the world. The more time you spend with God, the easier life's decisions are. Because we realize after a while, it's not God that's going to take us out of something. It's God's going to empower us to go through something. That's life. That's God's purpose for you and I. That's how a testimony becomes real. Because we ain't telling something somebody else said that God did for them. We've all got a story of what God has done for us. I stand before you a blessed man. God has been really, really good to my family. God has given me. And look, the thing that I didn't tell y'all is that my wife was able to retire at 54 years old. She's like, I'm going to kill you. You told him how old I am. <laughs> that was a blessing for us because some things happened with her job. She had been with the bankruptcy court for years and years and years, and they were trying to t get her to take another position and cut her pay and go to a different location. And so we just sat down and talked about it and prayed over it, and I said, you know what? It's, it's time for you to go. We never looked back. God is good. God is good, people. Amen. I'd like to pray. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, it's 12 o'clock. I didn't keep you all to 1 or 1.30. <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray a special blessing over every person that is here in this place today. Lord, I thank you. Lord, calls us to put a premium on spending time with you. Because I know from experience, Lord, that as we begin to do that, there are things that you will show us that will help us and enable us to do the things that you've called us to do. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. I pray these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.